0: Welcome, welcome, amen. We're just going to go right into the word of God. So with your Bibles in your hands, or however you connect to the wonderful, marvelous word of God, this is my Bible. I am what it says I am. I can do what it says I can do. I will have what it says I will have. I'm a part of Deliverance Temple. Where we love by living our vision every day. We connect with our creator continually. We confess our deliverance consistently. We commit to serve creatively. We communicate Christ's love compassionately. Christ's love. Father, God, Father God, feed us your word. Us your word. Now, once again, if you believe it, would you go ahead and make some noise in this place? <laughs> Hallelujah. So we're going to start off by using this graphic on the screen, screen called Advent. And we have moved into The season of Advent, and it says a season of expectation. And Advent is represented in some circles, some liturgical circles, as a way of preparing up until Christ's come or preparing for Christmas. It is uh, something that not often Pentecostals do, but many other Persuasions of church use that. And one of the things that is done is candles are used as a sign of this season of Advent. And so we're actually going to do that this year and we're going to progress through the season of Advent. The first thing I want to do is give us a definition of what Advent is. And so number one is the arrival of a notable person, thing, or event. So that's what Advent actually means when someone says the advent of color television. They're talking about when color television arrived and revolutionized the television industry. But it says the arrival of a notable person, thing, or event. So for us, it is going to be a person, and it is the person of none other than Jesus Christ. And so number two in the definition is this. The first season of the Christian church year leading up to Christmas and including the four preceding Sundays. And so 2022 is beautiful in the sense that it has four Sundays as many uh months have, but Christmas actually falls on a Sunday. So it's very perfect for me to do this because what many uh, churches do, they use the four Sundays uh, leading up to Christmas as Something to talk about Advent, but since Christmas actually falls on the Sunday, this is going to actually be perfect for what I want to do. So the first thing I want to do is bring that graphic back up, the Advent, a season of expectation. And so what you will notice, you will notice that there are five candles lit and you'll see two on one side and two on the other side and a lit candle in the middle. And one of the things you may ask me is, if this is the four weeks leading up to Sunday, why are there five candles and not four? Well, the next graphic will m- help you make it make sense. And so we'll bring that up. So go ahead and solidify it, make it solid for me. So. Give it a minute and see if you can make it sound. There we go. So the middle candle represents none other than Christ. God with us. Emmanuel, God with us. So really, Christmas is not about gifts and giving, even though that is beautiful. It's really about the advent of God with us. Ah, I don't want to get stuck on that because I have to move on. But that is the gospel message that God with us, God has always been over us. He's always been the supreme being. We talked about the sovereign Lord, but God didn't just want to be over us and the creator of us, but God wanted to be with us. And so the advent of Christmas is Christ's arrival and it is God with us. But that's not the fullness of the church because Pentecost is God in us. So I'm grateful that God is with us and then in us. And when you have God with us and in us, then you're able to quote this scripture. If God be for you, who can be against you? And so... This season means a lot of things and there's nothing wrong with being caught up in the season and family and the holiday and nothing wrong with enjoying those things. Some people used to think that you cannot celebrate it and celebrate God. I believe you can do both, but don't forget it means God with us. And so that's what the middle candle represents. And so now we're going to go to what the first candle represents. And this is where we're going to teach from today. But I will show you what all the candles represent. So let's bring up the first one. The first one is hope, the season of Advent. And what you will see is that you will only see one candle lit. And it is the lighting of hope. Because before God was with us, all they had was hope. Because it was a prophetic, uh, proclamation that he is going to come, but he had not come. So all they had was hope. And so that's where we're going to teach from today. But I want to give you what all the candles represents because every week we're going to be going to a different candle. And so would you put up the, what the second candle represents? And so now you see two candles lit. The first candle is hope. The far, for, for me, we're looking at it the far right. Is hope and then the far left is peace, the season of advent. So we have hope and we have peace. I won't talk about peace this week. I'll talk about that next week. And so then the third week is the joy. So the other candle is joy. It starts with hope, then peace and joy. But once you light one candle, you don't turn that candle out. You keep that candle going. And then the last candle is Love. And so when we come on Christmas Day, we will be talking about love, which is so apropos for this church because we are living our vision every day. So that's where we're going to go. And so that lets you know what's going to be happening. That's a preview. And so we're in the season of Advent, but let's start with today's title. And today's title is simply this. I hope. I hope. You know, in this season, you, you hear, hi, ho ho, hope, I, it's off to whatever we go, but I hear, I hope, I hope, I hope, I hope, I hope. And when I say I hope, I'm singing in, in the idea of not what it's often used for. Often, I hope is used somewhat negatively. Is your son ever going to act right? Shoot, I hope. You ever going to find a man? I hope. That's not the type of hope I'm talking about. I'm talking about a confident, I hope. My my hope is in the Lord. And it seems like if I don't do it every Sunday, I do it every other Sunday. I always come back to quoting this song that my hope is built on nothing less. Oh, but Jesus' blood and righteousness. Not everything goes right in my life. When I leave here, not everything is right. But what keeps me moving forward is I got a hope. I got a hope. inside of me and the hope inside of me just won't die it is like a candle that once it's lit it cannot and it will not go out I'm still hoping I'm still believing I'm still expecting I'm still looking for I'm still uh, praising God because I got a hope inside of me that the God that is with me won't leave me in the situation I'm in if I'm in a situation Situation, I know God going to leave me. He's not going to leave me there. He's going to help me get out of it. I don't know when. I don't know how. But I hope. If I'm broke right now, I hope my money will get better. If my marriage is strained right now, I hope my marriage will turn around. If my family is not safe, I hope my family will get saved. Sometimes all you got is hope. And sometimes hope is all you need. Somebody say it with me. I hope. I hope. I hope. I hope. All right. So let's let's let me slow down and give us a definition of hope. Three definitions that I've chosen out, and so hope: a feeling of expectation and desire for a certain thing to happen; two grounds for believing that something good may happen; and number three, a feeling of trust. And so let's give us some hope synonyms. So. Optimism, expectation, expectancy, ambition. Let me talk to you ambitious people. Don't let anybody put your ambition in a box. Sometimes your ambition is a sign of your hope. And I'm, you can keep the definitions up there, but I'm just going to say this. Some of y'all who are believing to get married, you go and you go to those wedding venues and you go to the wedding expo and go and look at stuff and people laughing at you because you ain't got no man in sight, but you ambitious that one day I'm walking down somebody's aisle. So I'm hoping just in case I'm ambitious Just in case, I'm expecting, just in case. I keep picking up house books, even though I'm in an apartment. I keep looking at house books because there's something in me that lets me know this is not the level I'm going to stay on forever. I hope, ambition, dream, longing, yearning, confidence, faith, trust, belief, conviction, and assurance. All right. Uh, before I, I move on, we, we've got a verse. Well, actually let's read the verse and then I'll drop something and then we're going to preach. This is just appetizer, but sometimes my appetizers are so good, you don't even know if you want the main meal, but, but you're going to want the main meal. We're going to keep going. So let's read this. Proverbs 13 and 12. And Mother Mitchell, would you read it?
1: Hope deferred there we go. makes the heart sick, but a dream fulfilled is a tree of life.
0: Hope deferred makes the heart sick. In other words, if you're always hoping but never seeing, it actually makes you sick. Ooh, you ever told somebody you make me sick? It's because you're hoping for something from them that they're not producing. And it's actually biblical. Sometimes the person who's made me the sickest is me. I'm tired of me. You ever got tired of yourself? Tired of your mess? I I hope I get my act together. But hope deferred makes the heart sick. But a dream fulfilled is a tree of life. And if we know anything about the tree of life, God talks about him being the tree of life. So it's in God's DNA to make your dreams come true. Now first he has to deal with you so you won't dream outlandish things. But once he gets to you and gets your dreams in order with his will, it is in his DNA to make whatever you're dreaming come to reality. Because if he doesn't, what happens is you become sick from the inside out. And I don't want to be sick No more. I want to see some stuff in my life. I don't want to wait till I get to heaven. I want to see some stuff now. I need some loved ones saved this year. I I need some stuff to turn around this year. I need some debt cancellation this year. I need my depression to lift this year. I need my anxiety to subside this year. I, I need something to happen so God Do what only you can do. I'm going to dream it, but I need you to do it. But what I'm going to add, I'm going to add some hope in the process. So going back to what I said I was going to say before we read the verse, one of the things that I started doing, I decided that I would dress and think and imagine on the level I want to be, not necessarily the level I currently am. And so I think where I want to go. I don't think where I am. I dress where I want to go. I don't dress where I am. I, I vacation where I want to go. Well, well, well Pastor, that, that don't make sense. Because if you can't afford where you want to go, how do you vacation where you want to go? If you can't afford where you want to go, I get as close as possible to what I really want. If I can't see the ocean, I'm going to go to Chicago and be beside Lake Michigan. I'm going to do something as close as possible because I'm dreaming where I want to go. If I can't afford Lake Michigan, I'll drive to the Muncie Reservoir and look at the water. I will, I will hope where I want to go. And when you do that, nobody can rob you of your joy. No, the reservoir is not the ocean, but it's my best thing, so I'm going to enjoy it while I can. I'm hoping on the level where I want to be. Stop living on the level that you are and living on the level that you want to be. So that means you got to start dreaming. you got to dream again. You, 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 you got to imagine again. We're coming up on a new year. Go ahead and pull out a, a, a blank sheet of paper or blank cardboard and start a vision board and start believing because hope deferred will make the heart sick. And I'm tired of being sick. I'm sick. Of being sick. I need some stuff to happen in my life and God only you can do it. Let me talk to the online folk. You gotta start believing and hoping and trusting that only God can do what he said he can do. The Republicans can't do it. The Democrats can't do it. Marijuana can't do it. Sex can't do it. Only God can do it. So get your hope up. Somebody say get your hope up. Get your hope up. Mm -hmm, I hope. All right, so now we need to go to Psalms 33. This is where we will preach the rest of the message. This is the the meat of the message. So first thing we're going to do, we're going to put points up and then we'll read the scriptures. So here's the first point. Because I hope, I praise. It's second nature to me. You so radical. Why are you so loud when they praise? Why why you stick your hands up? Because I hope I praise. It's second nature to me. I actually can't stop my praise because my praise is based on my hope. And since I'm still hoping, I'm always praising. So maybe it don't take all that for you, but it takes all that for me. I Got to stick my hands up. I I got to say hallelujah. I can't stop it in, if I try because I hope I praise. Second like nature to me. It's part of the extension of who I am. And so let's read Psalms thirty-three, one.
1: Let the godly sing for joy to the Lord. It is fitting for the pure. To praise him.
0: Some of you may recognize it in the King James Version. It says this. It says it It praises calmly for the upright. In other words, it is who you are. It's so much who I am. I don't just praise God. If I, I'll even praise you when it's necessary. Oh, you look good today. Ooh, you smell good today. Ooh, I like your car. It's something about the praiser. A praiser is also an encourager. A praiser can't be a hater at the same time. If you're a hater, you're not really a praiser. Because a praiser, all he knows how to do and all she knows how to do is praise. And if you always got a sour disposition, it's something wrong with your hope. Because when your hope is up, your praise will be up. You'll go to the grocery store and be so nice. Thank you for ringing up my stuff. And thank you for this. And thank you for that. And happy holidays. I wish the attitude people had in December, they have all the way back in May. I have a disposition that is nice. But when you are praising, you easy to get along with. Some of y'all, some of y'all crazy. The reason why I say y'all crazy you go to a church that right now is without musicians and you still get your praise. You don't need a tambourine. You don't need an organ. You don't need a drum. You don't need Tasha Cobbs to walk down the aisle the moment that I wake. When I think of the goodness of Jesus and all he's done for me, my soul cries out, hallelujah. I thank God for saving me, my hope is up. I praise because I hope. And we won't be without musicians forever. But when they come, they won't have to drive the praise. We already know how to praise. We, I praise when I get on the parking lot. I praise when I'm in the shower. I praise wherever I am because I believe the God that I serve and my hope is in the Lord. Let's look at verse 2.
1: Praise the Lord with melodies on the lyre. Make music for him on the ten-stringed harp. All
0: right, yes. Read verse 3.
1: Sing a new song of praise to him. Play skillfully on the harp
0: and sing with joy. Now this is, I didn't see this when I was studying this and preparing this, but here it starts talking about the instruments later. It talks talking about the praise first. So maybe we're right in order. We're praising now, but in 2023, we're gonna have some musicians in 2023. I declare. I don't know where they're coming from. I don't know what got to happen, but we got to praise first, music later. And actually, I, I heard Sister uh, Ruth actually pray for it just at the opening prayer. So we're right in line. Thank you, God. But we don't need them to praise. We're gonna praise you right now. But thank you because they own the way. Somebody somehow done got irritated and started looking up Muncy. Don't know nothing about Muncie. And somehow they're making the plans to come here and they're going to find this place and they're going to help us go to another level. All right. Let's let's put a point number two. I hope because of God's word and his love. Let's. Read the scriptures associated with this, verse 4. For the word of the Lord holds
1: true, and we can trust everything he does. Mm,
0: the word of the Lord holds true. The young people say no cap. When something is true, they say no cap. Well, let me tell you something. Young folk, God's word got no cap in it. His word is true. Let's look at, uh before we go to verse 5, the T-R-U-T-H truth. Verse 5, read that.
1: He loves whatever is just and good. The unfailing love of the Lord fills the earth. The
0: what kind of love? Unfailing. Now see, men's love will fail. And women's love will fail. And family love will fail. Your kinfolk will fail you. But the unfailing love of the Lord Another version calls it His mercy. His unfailing love. See, even if you fail, He doesn't fail. And the reason why I can get up when I fall is because even though I failed, His love never fails. So I hope because His word is true, and his love is everlasting. And if I have his word and his love, how can I lose? I, I may lose momentarily, but I can't lose for a lifetime because I have his word and I have his love. And if I have his word and I have his love, God, you're going to get my praise. You're going to get my hallelujah because I'm believing and I'm hoping in God. Somebody say, I hope. All right, let's look at point number three. I hope because of God's resume. Now, if, if you only have a high school diploma, you only have a GED, and then you go to NASA and say, NASA, I'm going to be one of your scientists and I'm going to help the The rockets get in the air. In other words, rocket science. I'm going to do rocket science. And they're going to say thanks, but no thanks. Because your resume doesn't line up to what you want. But let me tell you something. God's resume is immaculate. and His track record is immaculate. He's been a doctor in the sick room a lawyer in the courtroom. He's been on battlefields. He, he stands in mountains and in valleys. He, he is God all by himself. The Hebrew Bible calls him Jehovah Sabaoth, which means he's the captain of the host. He's the CEO of the universe. And if anybody got a bad resume, it's God. So my hope is in him because his resume is nice. Let me go back to what I used to say. It's tight, man. I tell you, it's showing up tight. It's, it's smooth. I don't know how many words I can say, but his resume is all that and a bag of chips. Not, not no cheap chips from Village Pantry. I'm talking about some Doritos. I'm talking about some good chips, some, some jalapeno kettle chips. He's all that and a bag of chips because he is called. And I would never come to a church that wouldn't remind me of who he is. I praise him for what he's done. But I worship him because of who he is. Let's, let's, let's read of his track record here. Psalms 33 and 6.
1: The Lord merely spoke and the heavens were created. He breathed the word, and all the stars were born. He
0: merely spoke. He, he, he merely spoke. Th- this building, it took years to get up off the ground because we didn't have the help, we didn't have the labor, and at the end of the day, we ran out of money. But the Bible says the universe, he merely spoke it. His word is so powerful. He is a creator with his words. You ever heard somebody say God cannot lie? They don't say God does not lie. It says God cannot lie. And the reason why he cannot lie, because whatever he says, he has creative power in his words. So if he says that that purple chair is a black and white uh, polka dot dog, even though it's not a black and white polka dot dog, you would say God lied, but he can't lie. The moment he said it, that church, that chair will turn into a black and white uh, polka dot dog, because his words are so creative, and he merely spoke things into existence, and what I want you to hope about, if he can speak things into existence, he can speak over your life. And the word of God over your life will not fail. So shall my word be. That goeth forth out of my mouth. It shall not return to me void. But it shall accomplish that which I please. It shall prosper in the thing where I send it. That's Isaiah 55 and 11. And if you back up to 55.10. It says as the rain cometh down from heaven. And as the snow comes down and waters the earth. And it does not return. So shall my word be. Amen. When it rains. The rain doesn't come halfway down and then go back up in the cloud. Once the cloud releases the rain, because of the gravitational pull, the rain only has one thing to do is come down. Well, when God speaks a word over your life, I don't care what demon is holding you back. It's got to come down because his word is immaculate. He can just speak a word. Somebody say, speak a word. Speak a word. Remember Donnie McClurkin said, speak to my heart, Holy Spirit. Give me a word that will bring new life. So speak a word, God. Let's continue to read. Verse 7. Mm.
1: He assigned the sea its boundaries and locked the oceans in
0: vast reservoirs. So in other words, whenever things are happening really hard, horrible in the sea, like what we call a tsunami. And the hurricane waters cause the seas to come and hit the earth. It causes things to usually be torn apart. But here's the thing about it is that only happens every now and then. Because when God spoke them into existence, he gave the ocean and the sea its bounds. You can only come so far. The only way the sea can jump out of the sea and hit land is if I allow it. And so what I need you to know, there's some stuff in your life that the devil wants to do, but he just doesn't have the ability to do it because there's a boundary line. You can't cross this line. And if you cross this line, I will mess you up. Back when we were younger and we wanted to fight, we would draw a line in the sand and said, If you cross this line, I'm going to fight. Now, if you really wasn't good at fighting, if they stepped, you would redraw the line. Because I really don't want to fight. But let me let you know something. God is mighty in battle. He'll draw a boundary around your life. And the devil tried to get at Job and had to go back to God and say, I can't do nothing with him. You got a hedge of protection around him. And I'm here to let you know there's some boundaries around you. There's some stuff the devil just can't do. He can't mess with your family. He, he can't mess with your mind because God spoke a word. Let's go to verse 38. Let's go to 38 and 39.
1: Let the whole world fear the Lord and let everyone stand in awe of him.
0: Verse 9.
1: For when he spoke, the world began. It appeared at his command.
0: Everything we see appeared at his command. The, The trees, the stars. The grass, the seasons, the cycles, the sun. And what we often forget is we only see it from where we are. We are in the Milky Way galaxy on earth. But there is actually billions of galaxies. And so you don't know what Saturn is doing and what Jupiter is doing and what Venus and Mars is doing and all the other galaxies. But God spoke it all with one word. That's how bad he is. And if he can do all that, my $2.50 in my bank account, God, speak over my money. Yeah. Speak over my marriage. Speak over my body. Speak over my travel. Speak over everything. God, I'll humble myself to say, God, speak. And the revelation says, he that hath the ear, let him hear with the spirit, saying to the church. All let right, right, let's, let's bring up point number four. I hope because of God's unshakable plans. Ooh, unshakable plans means they're immovable. They're not mobile. They're, they're not like uh, like this towel that I have. Uh, and go ahead and put the camera on me so they can see this demonstration. It's not like this towel that I have where this is sitting on this podium. And I can pick it up because it's sitting there. And it doesn't cause really any energy and any effort for me to pick it up because it's not rooted and grounded in this podium. It's just sitting there. But the scripture talks about us being immovable, unshakable, always abounding in the Lord. Which another uh, uh, scripture is in Psalms 91 said, because he has set his love upon me. And set is different than sit. Set is like concrete. As long as concrete is in its liquid form, you can put your hands in it, you can play in it until it gets set. Once it gets set, it becomes unshakable, unbreakable. you got to go through a long process to break it up. And let me let you know something, that God's presence in your life is not just sitting on your life. See, we're talking about God with us and not God is not just with us to sit with us. He's with us rooted and grounded. And there's some stuff in your life that is unshakable. It is unmovable. And even you can't mess it up. You've been trying to mess it up. But when God has spoke a word over your life and a word over your business, a pandemic can't take you out of business. A pandemic can't make you divorced. You can stand through some of the hardest things because his plans for you are unshakable. Oh, how unshakable. I may, I may blow, but I'm not going to break. I may move, but I'm not really going to shake. I, I am rooted and stabilized and grounded in the Lord. And so that gives me hope. Somebody say hope. All right, let's look at verse 11.
1: But the Lord's plans stand firm forever. His intentions can never be shaken. Oh,
0: so if he intends to prosper you, you being broke right now doesn't mean a thing, because his intentions can never be shaken, can never be shook. God, he can't unshake it. Let, let, let me give you give you uh, an example that'll help you. Uh, right now in this season, in other seasons, they got some things called snow globes that look okay until you shake it up. And all kinds of stuff is going on in there. In most cases, it's pretty, but it's not pretty in your life. It's not pretty when your life gets all shook up. Now I'm here to let you know the devil is shaking, but your life is still still. See, see, it seems like and it feels like you are being overwhelmed, but what's really happening is the devil is being overwhelmed because he shook you with everything you got and you barely move. I've seen storms come through and trees still be standing because it could not be shook. And I'm here to let you know the plans of the Lord over your life are unshakable. I know the plans that I have for you. Plans to prosper you and to give you a hope and an future and an expected end I hope because of the hope that God has planned for me I hope because of the word God has spoken over me and I may bend but I will not break I'm unshakable I was built to last I was built to stand I'm like a Timex watch I take a licking but I keep on ticking you can't break me you can't shake me you can't stop me I may rock but I will not be moved I'm going to hold to God's un- changing hand and I'm preaching better than y'all letting on. I know a God that will not allow you to be shook. The world can be turned upside down but the Bible says his word will last forever. Verse 12.
1: What joy for the nation whose God is the
0: Lord. Whose
1: people he has chosen as he is
0: so since this is in the Old Testament it was speaking as a nation talking about Jerusalem but right now you and I are the people of the Lord and so whatever nation trusts and hopes in God they're the nation that's going to be okay and let me let you know I am a nation in and of myself and my hope is in God and you're a nation in and of yourself because what you don't understand is because of you your family will be saved because of you if God tears his coming your great great grandchildren will be saved so you cannot fold you you cannot fail you cannot falter you can't stick your hand in the sand you can't backslide folk are depending on you and God God's not going to allow you to be shook. Hold yourself together and say, God, I'm ready for the ride. Now, in a regular ride, what you do is you put on a seatbelt so that even if things get bumpy, you're held together. Even when you're flying high in the air and they turn the seatbelt light on, they'll say we're getting ready to come into some turbulence. So put your seat belts back on. So I because I don't want you to be shaken. And I'm here to let you know we are in troubling times, but God is our seatbelt. Just strap up to him. Let him lock you together. Let him put himself around your waist, and you're gonna be just fine. Reminds me of a story that I've told before, but I'll tell it again. For, for those who have never heard it, there was a person who was doing what we call a, a major road work on one of these high towers. I don't know if it was like what we see the cell towers that go up in the sky. And so this man was over there. And when you do that, you have certain harnesses that lock you in. So in case you fall, that you would be okay. Well, what happened was is this man was up there high in the sky and his whole thing broke and snapped. And the next thing you know, people on the ground seen him just failing in there, knowing he was going to fall to his death shortly. And so they bring the fire trucks and they bring all the things and they were just there to clean up the mess. Because if he falls, we can't catch him. He's going to fall too far and too fast and too hard. He's going to die. So we just got to be there for when it happens. But what happened is the fella never failed. Never fail. Just like God never fails, he never fell. And finally, they were able to go up there and retrieve him and bring him down. He was up so high that the wind was actually swaying him and the tower. Well, actually it wasn't swaying the tower, it was swaying him. If, if, if you know anything about skyscrapers, there are certain floors that are not actual floors. They are weighted floors because the higher the building goes up, the building will sway. So some floors are just weighted with water and things so that it will not sway. So the tower didn't sway, but the man swayed. But anyway, they were able to get him down. And so they asked him, how in the world did you hold on so long? And he says, you guys are mistaken. I didn't hold on. But when the one part broke, I found the other part and I wrapped it around me and tied it to the tower. So I wasn't holding the tower. The tower was holding me. The reason why I didn't fall, not because I was holding God, but God's been holding me. The reason why I didn't lose my mind is not because I had a grip on God, but God had a grip on me. And I'm here to let you know when God gets his supernatural hands on you. All you got to do is tie into God, and you may fail in the air. It may look like you're gonna fall. May people may be expecting you to fail. They expect your business to go belly up. They expect your family to go belly up, but they don't know God got a hold of me. And since God got a hold of me, I am unshakable. I I am unmovable. I will not go down, but I'll rise like my father rise because I know who's holding me. I got hope, Mother Rankin, because of who got a hold of me. Paul said that I may apprehend the thing that apprehended me. In other words, when we as Christians, all we're trying to do is grab the very thing that grabbed us. God, if you're grabbing me, I want to grab you. Now, if me and my wife were to get on the dance floor and begin to dance, and she grabs me and I just hold my hands to the side, maybe like either that's a man that doesn't know how to dance, or that's a man that don't like the woman he's dancing with. Because if she grabs me, I ought to grab her. Well, if God is holding you, you ought to start holding God. Don't be looking all funny, acting like you don't want him touching you. Now, let me—I I won't say who—but I got one of my sons. I won't say who because I—I I asked him, did he want me to use him in? Did he want me to use him in the message again? He's like, please stop, basically. So I won't say which one, but I got a son that don't like to be touched no more. They, you know, they growing, and so. I want to touch and grab on them. I mean, they moving away. I try to hug them. They moving away. They, they don't want their daddy touching them. And they, that's because they're growing. But I got to the place I want my daddy touching me. Touch me, God. Something happened, and now I know he touched me and made me whole. I'm, I'm glad you touched me, so I'm grabbing back. If you see me doing like this, I'm not touching myself. I'm grabbing the one that got a hold of me. I'm so glad that God pulled me out of my sin and grabbed my mind and helped me together. And so I'm holding him because he's holding me. All right, I got it. I got to move on, got to move on. Let's look at point number five. Here's the, another reason why I hope. I hope because of God's watchful eyes towards his hold. I'm not going to interrupt you. I'm going to allow you to read all of these scriptures.
1: The Lord looks down from heaven and sees the whole human race.
0: Hold on, hold on. I, I said I want to interrupt you, but let me stop real quick. I've seen something I didn't see before. So, oh, God forgot about me. God don't be thinking about me. But the Bible says he sees the whole human race. Now, unless you some type of alien, that means that includes you. Now, some of y'all, I wonder, are y'all alien? But that, but that's beside the point. You human? So he sees you. Read.
1: From his throne, he observes all who live on the earth. He made their hearts. So he understands everything they Mm, do.
0: Everything. Verse 16.
1: The best equipped army cannot save a king, nor is great strength enough to save a warrior.
0: Uh-huh. Verse 17.
1: Don't count on your war horse to give you victory. For all its strength, it cannot save mm-hmm. you. Verse
0: 18. But the Lord. Hold, 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 hold on. But. oh, that, Which means it cancels out the other stuff. And it joins this next phrase together. Would you read it in its entirety? But the Lord watches over those who fear him, those who rely on his unfailing love. See, if you would just stop fighting and rest in him, the Bible says he watches over those who fear him, who respect him, who rely on him, who hope in him. So guess what? He watching over me. Remember, I I preached a few weeks ago, God is watching you. So God is watching over you. So listen, uh, uh, it's, it's no need for me doing all this worrying I've been doing. Now, I do have some stuff to worry about, but I've learned that my worry doesn't change the stuff. So I might as well stop worrying and let the one who's watching over me take care of it. And sometimes the reason why he don't step in, because we're still in there. So God, let me get out of the way and you do you and let me let you watch over me. Watch over me, Lord. Watch over me, Lord. Let let, let me uh, throw this example out there. So I was reticent on us getting a dog for our home because my thoughts were what was going to happen is my children are not going to take care of it. I'm going to be the one taking care of it. And when I'm home in the daytime trying to sleep, I'm going to have to deal with this barking dog. But we end up getting a dog. And people will tell you I haven't softened up and I love the dog like everybody else loves the dog. So i was still worried about him while I was going to be coming from work. But after he got out of the puppy stage, he sleep when I sleep. Now, when I'm sleeping and he's up making a bunch of noise, it bothers me because he's making too much noise. But he's easier to watch over when he rests. When he goes in his cage and curls up. And now he done got so lazy that when I come from taking the kids, he don't even look at me. He don't buzz. He just roll on over, curl up in the ball because he's resting. And since he's resting, he's easy to watch over. And so the point that I'm making is if you rest, you're much easier for God to watch over. But when you're up into a bunch of stuff, and there's times he's been into stuff, tore up stuff, peed on stuff, pooped on stuff, done made a mess. It's hard to watch over someone who's too active. Let me say this to you. Some of y'all are messing stuff up. Making a poop of things. Get out of God's way. Go somewhere and rest. So it's easy for him to watch over you. Some of the stuff you got in is not going to be fixed overnight. So just go somewhere and chill. Rest. Let me talk to you online people. Rest. Let God do the work. If you rest, he'll do the rest. Kiss that. If you rest, he will do the rest. Rest. All of the things you're worried about, he got it, but he needs you to rest. All right, point number six. I hope because God is a deliverer. Let's look at verse thirty-three, nineteen. 19.
1: He rescues them from death and keeps them alive in times of famine. Mm-hmm.
0: That's a whole lot I can say there. Just I can just put it that way. God is a deliverer. Point number seven. I hope. Because hope is what I do and my hope is what he deserves. Yes. And hopefully as we've gone through this, I've proven to you he deserves it. And so now all we got to do is work on the first part. We just got to do it. I'm going to do it because it's in me to do it. I hope because hope is what I do and hope is what he deserves. Let's read these final verses. Let's, Psalms 33, 20. We put our hope in the Lord he is our help and our shield. Only thing we have to do, we have to actually actively put our hope in the Lord, but he is our help and our the shield. Means he's our help and he's our defender. He is our defense and our offense. All right. Let's look at verse 21.
1: In him our hearts rejoice for we trust in his holy name. Yes.
0: Let me, let me throw this in as we're coming to a close. I will throw this in. You have to get out of the place where your heart rejoices in everything but the Lord. When, when, when I want to get happy, I got to use some outside thing to get happy because my hope is not really in, in God. My hope is in outside stuff. But here he says, my heart rejoices in the Lord. See, that's why when I'm not in this building, I still rejoice in the Lord. I, I, can, I can listen to something and just hear something and feel something down in my spirit I remember one one time I was on my job, and the Spirit of God hit me on my job, on my truck. And I didn't want nobody to know what was going on with me, so I pulled and backed up in a corner. And I had a time with the Lord. Now, I've done this several times, but this particular time, I thought I had got away with it. And then when I got into the break room, one of my friends said, Next time you want to go speak in tongues, can you be a little quieter? I'm like, oh, I... I didn't know you heard me, but the Spirit of God hit me so good and so strong. And you have to understand, our building is loud in our building. You can't hardly hear, and you have to wear earplugs, but the Spirit of God hit me so tough, I just couldn't keep silent. And somebody heard me because my hope comes from my heart, and I don't need a church to speak in tongues. I, I don't need to shout. I don't need a drum to shout and an organ to shout. I shout to the Lord with the voice of triumph. Hope is in the Lord. Final verse.
1: Let your unfailing love surround us, Lord, for our hope is in you alone.
0: Mm, Our hope is in you alone, which means I'm willing to strip Everything else I'm hoping in to make sure my hope is in you alone. And God loves us so much, He will knock our other crutches down so we have no, uh, we have no hope but to hope in Him. If I lean wholly and totally, and once again I need you to put the camera on me so they can see what I'm doing. If I lean wholly and totally on this, uh, podium, All of my weight is arrested on this podium. If someone would grab and move this podium, I would fall and crack my head because my hope is in this podium. And the podium can be moved. But since God is unmovable, if I would rest on him... Says he can't be moved, I can't fall as long as I'm resting in him. My hope is in you alone, God. Somebody say, I hope. I hope. All right, let's rise to our feet. We're gonna go right into our communion. And would you bring me a communion cup? I forgot to get one. All right, can someone bring Mother Mitchell one? She's got an extra one, all right. And if you don't have one, please get one of those online. This is your time to grab your elements. And let's look at 1 Corinthians eleven twenty-three. 23. Somebody say, I hope. I hope. 1 Corinthians eleven twenty-three. 23. For I received from the Lord, but I also delivered to you that the Lord Jesus on the night when he was betrayed took bread Verse 24, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Let's eat the bread. Verse 25. In the same way also he took the cup after supper saying this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. Let's drink it. Verse 26 For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup you proclaim Proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Which means we are saying our hope is in the cross. All right. Would you put it back up and let's say this again? We're going to say it three times. Put the title back up. I I I I hope. I hope. I hope. Let's bow our heads and let's pray. All right. Dear Heavenly Father, we praise you and we thank you. We honor you and we love you. And God, we don't want it to be lip service. We want to truly hope in you. And we give you praise for it. In Jesus' name, let everybody say, amen. Amen. God bless you. Have a great, wonderful, and marvelous week. You are dismissed. Much love to you.